We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Ryan, let's dive into the mailbag. We got some questions mm-hmm. here. We'll get some more coming in. Let's start off with a super chat from David Hess. Thank you, David, very, very much. When do players start talking about coming back or not after the bowl game? Thanks for making the work day fly by. Onward, Notre Dame. It's the conversation starts, Ryan, now. I mean, for yes. some of these kids, the conversation has been going on all season. I was going to say, it's, yeah. it's for a lot of kids, it started out early in the year, right? Like after a couple of losses and you just kind of like are picturing what the end of your season is going to look like. I mean, and, and for good reason, right, Brian? I mean, after after Notre Dame lost to Stanford, if I'm Michael Mayer's family and Michael Mayer's potential agents, because I know people want to, you know, be cute and think that the agent process isn't finalized until after a player declares, right? But we all know that that's not the truth, right? So if I was a agent that is going to be working with Michael Mayer or his family, after you lose to Stanford and you get to your second loss – I'm having starting to have conversations with them right then and being like, hey man, like if we get if they get to a bowl game, if they get to this situation, we might want to think about pulling back and and kind of finishing out your career in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And and declaring and you know, not playing in the bowl game or whatever the conversation might be. So I think those those conversations for some players start much earlier. But to your point, I mean, I know that. Cam was probably talking with his family about this for a couple of weeks as well. I would assume that, right? I don't know that for certain, but we've known that this was a possibility at least for about a week or so. So kind of just looking through that, all that conversation, I think that for some players, it starts much earlier for some, it starts a little more soon because there's a lot of factors that go in right now, right? It's the bowl game stuff, the team success stuff, but then also some players that are debating jumping to the NFL or not. It's also, you know, submitting your, Feedback from the NFL advisory board. What round grade do you have? Talking to your agents about what's best for your future. So it, it starts differently for, for some people, but there are some players that have been talking about it for weeks, not just on Notre Dame end. That's nationally have been thinking about it for weeks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, what's going to be interesting is, is to me is well, with some of these kids, we're going to find out for sure because they're either going to play or not play in the bowl game. So some of these kids we're going to find out soon. Like if Michael yeah. Mayer's not going to play in the bowl game, he's going to announce soon that he's going to the draft. Yes. You know, but the, that, I mean, that, that, that decision was probably made before the season even started. Exactly. Which again, even to me speaks volumes about Michael Mayer that he knew he was going to be a high pick and still went out and played to the level he played with the, not just the production, the production is about talent, but just the heart, the effort, the attitude, the leadership, the, you know, the just, I, I can't, I can't express how impressed I was with him and not just the football talent, just the other areas. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just tremendous. Really, really is tremendous. So, um, you know, I, I don't expect him to play. Like if Foskey decides to leave, I, I wouldn't expect him to play. I, I think we're going to see more Notre Dame kids sit out this year than we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do. So I'm curious how that's going to, how that's going to play out. We, we shall, we shall see. Next question that we have here, Ryan is from Quinn Kibler. Thank you, Quinn. And he asks, uh, since landing Brandon Joseph, has progress been made of allowing undergrad transfers even a tad? I can't answer that. I don't know. I know that it's something Notre Dame has been working on. But I guess we'll kind of find out here over the next um, next month or so, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. based on everything I've been, I've been told and the names that I've been given kind of floating around, most of the guys that I've heard associated with Notre Dame, Ryan, are graduates. Yes. So I don't – this is my opinion, not in for, not intel information. My opinion is it's still going to be mostly grad transfers. Like, like the quarterbacks we've seen mentioned are all graduates. The, some of the other guys we've seen are mentioned are graduates. I still think that's going to be the best place to go. Because also I don't think Notre Dame is, is, is interested, Ryan. And here's what people have to understand, Ryan. Here's what's going to happen. Okay, mm-hmm. Ryan, this is going to happen. Yep. Former four-star kid, big-time player, a Dante Thornton type of guy, jumps in the portal. What, what you all have to understand is most of these kids are jumping in the portal, number one, with an idea of where they're going. Yep. Number two, they're looking for better NIL deals. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's not going to play that game. They're not going to play with high school kids. They're not going to play with transfers. And I'm okay with that. Yes, it worked at USC. Okay, fine, whatever. I don't care. Notre Dame's not going to be that. It worked at USC because they got the quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, if they still had Caleb Williams and the same receivers they would have had, you know, Jordan Addison didn't play like a star. He didn't play like a Bolitnikoff guy this year. He was good. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's about you've got to build the way that you're you think is best for your program. And Notre Dame is not going to be able to cons- there may be like an off season where mm-hmm. things fall into place and they get a higher number, but that's not sustainable. And here's the problem: when you dip heavily into the portal in one year, you're forcing yourself to do that year after year after year. The portal thing worked for Michigan State last year too. Let's see if it works next year. How's it going to work for USC next year? Will USC be able to dip back into it again this year the way that they did last year? I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's not going to do that. They're going to be a high school development program team. It's just the reality of it. Now, I think they're going to look for a quarterback. There's other positions they're going to look for, Ryan, but they're just not going to be a team that Notre Dame fans are going to be able to look at all these big-time kids from Texas a and going to have 15 kids under the portal. I, I'd be willing to bet none of them are candidates for Notre Dame. I don't care how good they are. Yeah, There's a reason they went to Texas A&M, and that reason is going to be the reason they're not going to come to Notre Dame now. That's mm-hmm. the reality we're living. There's going to be a lot of kids that take port, that take NIL money to go to a school. After their first year, they're going to jump right back in the portal and do it again. Mm-hmm. That's just what's going to happen. Notre Dame's not going to play that game. So I know you all want to kind of – spend all offseason talking about portal kids and this guy's in and that guy's in and this other kid is in most of those kids are not going to be targets for Notre Dame and I'm okay with that I'd much rather see them develop like okay Ryan could they go to the portal get a receiver yeah you know what I'd rather them do coach up the kids you have who are really talented you know what I mean and maybe you can get a if a, the right kid falls on your lap, mate, you go get that kid. If you lose a kid, then you may need to go to the portal for depth. But coach up Tobias, coach up Deion Colsey, coach up Jaden Thomas, coach up Lorenzo Styles, coach up the incoming freshman class that is going to be loaded and develop those guys. They don't need to go to the portal for running back, tight ends, offensive linemen. You know, there's some holes. I think defense is really where you might see more needs in the portal than, than offense, in my opinion, outside of quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. defensive line could use some help. Maybe linebacker if you lose some kids or whatever. Um, maybe safety if you know. But I, I safety I, again, coach up the young kids you have. You know what I mean? Get Xavier Watts going. Get Ramon going. Get Peyton Bowen going. So I don't think there's a lot of needs for Notre Dame in the portal other than filling some depth areas like defensive tackle. I'd go back to the portal for depth at defensive tackle again if I was them. Yep. You know, I'd look for depth at the defensive end position, or if there's an impact player that for whatever reason wants to take on the academic workload that Notre Dame has to offer, then go after that kid. Sure. Absolutely. But most kids aren't, they're not looking for that. I'm looking to go somewhere where I can play football for a year and play, which the type of kids that Notre Dame is going to have success with that Ryan, that's the graduates. They've already got their degree. And it's a lot easier to kind of go through the motions in the graduate program at Notre Dame as a graduate where you got one year than it is to be an undergraduate. So that's yeah. just the that's just where it's going to be for Notre Dame for the most part. For the most part, people have to come to grips with that. Yeah. You're just not going to see like let's just say hypothetically, um, you know, Arch Manning jumps in the portal next year. Notre Dame's not going to be looking at you know, that's just that's he's not going to be looking at Notre Dame, right? And I shouldn't have even used his name because then people are going <laughs> to that's you know it's, he was saying he was hyper- on he was on campus, Brian. At one yeah. point, so. <laughs> But you get the point that I'm making, right? It's, it's just yeah. – and, and it's just not going to be the way it's going to go. And most – I said again, most of these kids already have an idea because if y'all think that schools are waiting until these kids officially put their name in the portal to talk to them, you're out of your minds. Like yeah. they're talking to coaches, agents, parents. They're doing all this stuff behind the scenes to where when kid jumps in the portal, he's got a pretty good idea where he's going to go. If it, It's oh, at least yeah. narrowed down to a, two to three schools. 
That's my favorite, man, is every player now has an NIL agent, right? That's all right. they're handling is NIL. Right. right. Sure, that's right. what they're doing. Well, and look, there's a lot of kids that go into the portal without that guidance, Ryan, but those aren't kids sure. that are Notre Dame caliber. That's why yes. there's so many kids that go to the portal and don't find homes. Those, I'm talking about the kids. Those are small school kids. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about the big-name kids, the kids that you would be looking at at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You're yep. not talking about the thousands. There's a lot of kids that are just making very misguided, poor decisions. Agreed. Um, and that's just the reality of it. Brian, can I what? knock out this one real quick? It has something to do with the portal. Um, yeah. That someone asked. So Jonathan Gabrick just asked. There was a couple a of them on there. Yeah, so he said mailbag Hudson Card was one of the potential quarterback transfer targets for Notre Dame. With him being an undergrad, is that even possible, especially coming from Texas education? So a couple things here, Jonathan, just want to knock this one out real quick. Hudson Card is graduating in December. He came in early, a semester early, so he graduated on the three-year track, so he will be a graduate in December. And I am told that from his background, dating back to high school until now, he is an excellent student and has always yeah. been a high academic kid. So there's and Texas is a pretty good school, Ryan. Too. That's the it thing is. is like Texas is a good is a good school. But yes, graduate, so he doesn't have to worry about transferring in credits. That's why it's that's what it comes down to. Is an undergrad yep. has to transfer credits, and the way that Notre Dame has set up their transfer process, it's incredibly hard for a kid. I mean, I was told this past year that the baseball team last year's baseball team lost a kid from Harvard that wanted to mm-hmm. transfer as an undergrad because they wouldn't take his credits. That's how dumb that's it is. With all due respect, crazy. it's dumb. You're just being you're just being stubborn for just for the sake of being stubborn, mm-hmm. and it's silly. It's very well, very silly. The, but the nice... that's just the reality of it. It's that. It's not admissions. It's not coaches. Yeah. It's not that this kid has to have a four gra- It's they won't take his classes, and they're not going to accept a kid who won't be able to graduate because they rejected all of his credits. For sure. Well, and I was just going to say, Brian, one thing we talked about when Notre Dame was getting in with Brandon Joseph and made that happen. Like it was not an easy process. And that kid's a kid that came from Northwestern, you know, like a really good academic institution, obviously. But circling back to Hudson Card real quick on Jonathan's question, Brian, I think it's really it's really also a bonus to kind of be looking at that kid because he has two years of eligibility, despite already being a junior going to be a senior next year, which is nice. So just kind of layers to this guys, which is interesting to kind of follow. Right. And I think, I think that we've talked about this before and early on, they wanted to find a guy with two years of eligibility. They're more open to others now that Kenny Menchie's in the class. I just want to remind people of that. Had another mailbag question from Will Haas. Uh, could y'all see Notre Dame going after Theo Weiss or Malik Washington? I mean, I'm not sure of the specifics of those kids' graduate situations. Malik Washington, I believe, is the kid at Northwestern, right? Is he? A I believe so. DB so, at Northwestern, yeah. and then and then Theo Weiss is a wide receiver at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I, look, the reality is, is why are they transferring? That would be something that we always have to ask ourselves. That's that's a, a, a not a rhetorical question that I'm setting up for an answer. It's that need, is a question that needs to be asked because. Mm-hmm. At receiver, for example, the kid like Theo Weiss jumps in the portal. What's the reason? Is he unhappy at Oklahoma? Does he not think he's a fit for the offense? Does he want more tut targets? Because he, he wasn't throwing the ball a ton this year at Ryan. I think he had like 17 catches. I mean, he had a bunch of yards per catch, but he didn't have a, a lot of catches. I'm, I'm going to pull his stats up here real quick at Oklahoma. He's been a guy that's had some production, but yeah, so he had uh, 19 catches for 378 yards and four touchdowns. It's not a given he'll be able to earn more touches than that at Notre Dame. So if he's jumping in the portal because he wants to be the guy, you can't promise him that at Notre Dame with the talent they have yeah. coming back. If he's leaving because he doesn't fit the offense or he, you know, let's say, because Theo Weiss, I believe, is a junior, right? He's, I think, a 
Is he a redshirt junior? Yeah, he's a he's a senior in college. Yeah. So he may be a graduate who's looking to go somewhere to get a chance to play, but also wants to get a great education or get his master. Who knows? Then maybe he's more of a kid you look at. I honestly can't will I can't speak to that because I don't know his specific situation. If he's okay being a part of a rotation, then I'd look at the OEs. He's a good football player. Mm-hmm. If he's looking to be the guy, I'm not touching that because he won't be happy. If he's mm-hmm. not the guy, and you can't guarantee me that he'd be the guy for Notre Dame next year with the kids they have coming back, you can't. And and, and this is nothing against Theo Weiss because I don't know the kid personally, but Brian, yeah. if you put if you put that player in that situation where he's not happy with his role and he's only guaranteed to be there for one year, right. that's where locker room issues happen, man. Yes, like that's where yes. cancer starts. And we're not saying that's the case with Theo Weiss. We're no. making a a general a general question that has to be asked about every kid. Some kids are okay being role players. Some mm-hmm. kids are going to come to Notre Dame because, like, look, my I'm not an NFL guy. I can be a good depth guy. I can get a master's degree from Notre Dame. It it works mm-hmm. for me. Yep. And and that's going to be the and that's okay as long as you have the room. That's okay. Hey, be a rotation defensive tackle. Get your master's degree and help us out and give us some depth. But if a kid wants to be the guy, that's a position that's just going to be a little tougher. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. Quarterback. If you're a good player, you're going to have a pretty good chance coming to start next year. Um, other positions is going to be a little harder. And then you get into the situation, Ryan, where you promise a kid playing time to get him there, and then all of a sudden the guys you have are pissed off and they leave. Exactly. And exactly. That's I'm not trading a senior for a freshman. I'm not. Because, mm-hmm. again, if you do that, you now force yourself to go back to the portal next year, mm-hmm. and it, there may not be a kid of his caliber that you can get into school next year. It's yeah. very when because of how difficult it can be for Notre Dame to get those kids, you got to be very careful about who you bring in and what you promise them and what their role is going to be. Because if mm-hmm. if they come in for a year and it causes you to lose younger kids, you're you're you can't promise you can't guarantee or even close to guarantee that you're going to be able to find similar success next year at that, pos, that particular position. That's why I knew last year's version of Michigan State wasn't sustainable. Right. You know, because it's like they went for quick fixes, which is fine. But they went all in on being a better team, and they were. But then you sacrifice development, you sacrifice some younger players, and then when you don't hit in the portal the same way you hit the offseason before, then that's when you see like, oh, that was kind of a was kind of a little bit of a flash in the pan, right? Yeah. Like that was a little hollow in that situation. Yeah. So it always comes down to I think that really good programs are still always going to be built through the high school route and development. And right. Do you need to hit the portal? Yeah, you need to hit the portal. Do you need right. to hit on a couple players a year potentially? For sure, but yeah. not. But it's not. It's not sustainable. Sustainability is what I'm pushing for. First, right. That's the key. And, and look, you don't see Alabama going for a ton of portal kids. You don't see Georgia going for a ton of portal kids. Mm-hmm. You don't see Ohio State going for a ton of portal kids. Now they're getting some. And Alabama actually had a de- Alabama had a lot of transfers come in this year. Mm-hmm. It to me. It's not a coincidence that it also happened to be the worst season they've had since what 2014 because a lot of theirs didn't 20, work out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like Jermaine Burton didn't have a great season. The Tyler Harrell was injured through most of the mm-hmm. year. Eli Ricks wasn't great. The left tackle I think was solid, but like he's not like he was right. a phenomenal performer. So they right. didn't hit this offseason. Yep. So I'm just not uh, – and again, if you trade USC's quarterback for anybody other than Caleb Williams, they're not where they are. And the mm-hmm. only reason USC got him was because – not because of the portal, but because they hired his coach. 
Yeah. Right. Otherwise, if Lincoln Riley's still at Oklahoma, Caleb Williams is never going in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't like you're going to go find a Caleb Williams in the portal. That kid's not leaving anywhere unless he's following his coach somewhere. So it's just a different situation. And then the only reason they got Mario Williams, same thing. The only reason they got Jordan Addison is because they got Caleb Williams, who followed his coach. That's a rare situation. It just is not a normal thing. It wasn't like the same coaching staff decided we're going to go out and get 18 free agents just because. No, it's you hired a new coach, and they were able to strike that, you know, well, kind of strike that. You know, while it's hot, I'm sitting there like losing the expression. I want to, you know, strike while the iron's hot. hot is what I yeah. say. Yes. <laughs> and took advantage of it. And great job by Lincoln Riley. Right. Yep. But there's not a Caleb Williams in the portal this year, folks. There's not. You know, so you're not going to. So there's not a quarterback that's going to pick Notre Dame, for example, or anywhere else. And all of a sudden, every big time receiver that's in the portal wants to jump in and go to that school to play with. Cade McNamara or Hudson Card or Tyler Van Dyke or Devin Lear, whoever else is being rumored as a potential quarterback transfer for Notre Dame. It's just a different universe. Caleb Williams was an anomaly. It's like when people say, well, freshman quarterbacks should all be like Trevor Lawrence. Why? Trevor Lawrence was an anomaly. Mm-hmm. He was a generational kid. Think about all some of the great quarterbacks that have over the last 20 years. Michael Vick didn't play. I mean, 30 years. Michael Vick didn't play as a freshman. Jameis Winston didn't play as a freshman. Johnny Manziel didn't play as a freshman. Um, Cam Newton didn't play as a freshman. Tim Tebow was a Tyler Buckner as a freshman, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's a rare thing. So when a kid doesn't isn't great as a freshman, you don't – oh, he's, he stinks, right? Like, Caleb Williams is an anomaly in the portal. Most portal QBs that break out are going to be like Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Not a guy you thought was going to be great, and he just happens to blow up. Or a kid yeah. that gets beat out, like a Jalen Hurts situation. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is not going to be your typical portal quarterback. That guy's not on the board this year. And that's just, you know, that just is the reality of it. And the only reason they got some of the other portal kids they had is because of NIL. And that's just not the direction Notre Dame's going to go. And I'm okay with that because that just isn't going to work in Notre Dame. It's just not going to work in Notre Dame. Okay, next one from Robert Bishop. I was wondering as a coach, how would you handle the loaded and crowded running back room next year with trying to keep everyone happy? Um, I, I think it's kind of similar to this year, Ryan, in that uh, mm-hmm. except I would I don't I don't have a problem with Chris Tyree's running game usage from a volume standpoint per per se as it was what they ran him on. Right. You know, which is all duo and not as much inside zone, counter, outside zone. I, I would say the biggest way to – first of all, Ryan, you're not going to keep all the running backs happy next year. You're not. You can't keep six running backs happy. You've got to hope that you were honest with kids and they understand your time will come. These two kids yeah. are leaving after this year. Your time will come. The other part of it, Ryan, is you've the passing game and the return game are the two best ways to get those kids to football. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 Jeremiah Love is not able to crack the top three or four next year, or if Jadarian Price is not in the top three or four next year, assuming everyone comes back hypothetically, then one of those cats needs to be your punt returner, and one of those cats needs to be your kick returner. Mm-hmm. And you got to find ways to get them the football. And 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 when you, as soon as you get a big lead, get those kids touches. That's how you keep them happy. There's no yeah. way to get more than three guys happy really in a regular running back rotation because then you're spreading them so thin that nobody gets into a rhythm. And then that hurts because you can over use your depth chart as well at running back, Ryan, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? 
Brian, how many how many times have we heard this season? Oh, just move Chris Tyree to slot receiver, and we're just yeah. kind of like, eh, it doesn't really fit that. But you know who else? You know who could fit that a little bit is Jeremiah Love. Bingo. He could he could do some of that stuff, right? But I, I think Price could do some of that stuff. Price exactly. But I think for me, look, you're never going to make everyone happy. You're not. When Alabama was at their peak and recruiting at the level that they had been for so many years and winning national championships, you don't think that there were some younger players on those teams that were frustrated because they weren't playing a ton, but they were winning. So they understood it, right? And I think that, I mean, you remember Ruben Foster was one of the best linebackers I saw in college football in like a two-year span. He didn't get on the field on defense until he was a junior in college, right? Because he understands that there's some really good players in front of me. There's talent here, and we're winning football games. If you do those things, you're going to make people happy. Winning ultimately makes players happy. So I think that for me – Brian Robinson's to, a great example from last year. Yes. At running yes. Back. Sat he, the bench for four – He was a borderline years. rotation player for four years. And now he's a starting running back in the NFL. But he yeah, bought exactly. into the team philosophy. That's the other thing, too, is you got to be – Here's the big thing, right? you got to be careful who you recruit. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of this, too. You got to be careful who you recruit and then how you recruit them. If yep. you're promising kids you're going to play as a freshman, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you better play them or they're going to leave. But if you're selling kids on something bigger than just come in right away, play and all that kind of stuff, and that's what Notre Dame has, yep. has done a pretty good job with over the years. I think this staff is doing a pretty good job with that too. Is You know you know why Josh Burnham's a top 100 recruit and not in the transfer portal right now? Because he wasn't promised playing time as a freshman. He right. was promised an opportunity over the course of period to develop into something. And that's why he's not gone. That's why Tyson Ford's not in the portal right now. I mean, like those kids understood. Yeah, I may play as a freshman, but it was it was something you sold me on something bigger than mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? And that's well, why you got to be careful about how you recruit kids and then who. Because if you're just recruit a kid who's a, I just want to come in and play, and the NFL is all I care about. That may not be the kid that you want to go to right. unless you're going to back up the promise you made, and he's going to play as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I think that these kids are really smart too, right? So if Notre Dame is promising every player a substantial role as a freshman, that's going to backfire on them. But I think what Notre Dame does, like you said, it's more like a long-term scope. And it's also, I know that a lot of kids are promised you're going to have a chance to compete, right? And as long as Notre Dame keeps their side of the bar, uh, keeps that side of the bargain, lets them compete. And, but these kids are smart enough to know like, hey, I'm really good, but that dude that's playing is older and also a very good player, right? Like, I think that just being honest in those situations is a big thing as well, to your point, Brian. Like, I think as long as you're honest and you give them an opportunity, then most kids will understand and will be ready for if there is some disappointment with not being able to play as much as a freshman or a sophomore, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the another question here from Irishman7114. Remember, guys and gals, every time a person hits the like button, subscribes, and hits the notification bell, Georgia scores on Brian Kelly and LSU. I love that, by the way. But we do appreciate any time you guys hit the like. <laughs> the reason we talk about that stuff, obviously, if you like the show, we, we like the feedback that you like the show. Number two, the more engagement a show has with likes and shares and things like that, the more it helps with the algorithms, which means it gets in front of more people, so you're helping us out. They're doing us a mm-hmm. solid. And then, of course, the subscription and the notification thing, that's more for you because then that allows you to know when we're doing shows. But we do certainly, certainly appreciate it. 
Brian Hockney with several recruiting questions here. We'll try to get to some of these. I know Brandon Hillman is announcing on his mother's birthday. That would be December 7th. So that'll be next, yep. uh, was that next Wednesday, Brian, or next mm-hmm. Thursday, next Wednesday? It's Wednesday, yep. Yep. Uh, but any idea when Caleb Smith will make his decision? Uh, I expect that decision very soon. I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is going to drag out very much longer. He's going to make his decision, I imagine, uh, known very, very soon. Yeah, that's um, all we can say about that. And any more info on 2024 uh, defensive tackle Justin Scott from Chicago? I mean, look, he's a five-star big-time recruit who a lot of big-time schools are getting after, and Notre Dame was late getting on him. Uh, they're in it, but it's going to be a tough sled. And I think yep. that's a recruitment that from the outset, Al Washington didn't do a good job with. And 100%. they're going to have to overcome it. And that's, I mean, we've said that multiple times. If there's anything new, I promise you, Brian will tell you. Um so it's another reason to be on the message boards. And and I, I think Brian is actually, but there's, there's not a lot new on that one. 2024 yeah. D line recruiting is probably my biggest area of concern right now. Yeah. It's a little weird right now, man. It's yeah. a little weird. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Brian, least you, uh, at, least, at least you got Brandon Davis Swain and Owen Wayful early. I guess. I know, right. But yeah. 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 But the problem is, is, is those guys play positions you, you've also already recruited well. Yeah. You know, That's, big end's going to be awesome over the next couple of years. Oh, but, yeah. You, know, you get some vipers. Big in there, end three right? technique's going to be pretty flipping good the next few years. No doubt about yes. that. Pat Kowalewski says, looking into next season, I'm not too confident about the D line. We prefer to hit the portal to fill a need somewhere. Lack of rotation coming off the edge. I'll, I'll say this, Pat. I'm not as concerned about this, and we hear this. We've heard this for years. Every time Notre Dame loses a bit, we heard it when they lost Aquara and Kareem. Oh, the DNs aren't going to be as good. And then, of course, uh, Dalen Hayes and Adio Gondiji step up and they're playing great. Oh, how are they going to be after those guys go to the NFL? And then all of a sudden, you know, Isaiah Foskey breaks out. Notre Dame has talent on the D line. And when you have the the veteran players they had this year, your young bucks aren't going to get as much playing time. And the guy that they're probably most excited about was a converted is a converted linebacker in Josh Burnham. Mm-hmm. Now, is it a given that those guys will step into big time roles next year? No, because one of the differences is a lot of the guys that stepped into rotation spots or starting roles and breakout roles were, were rotation guys the year before. Josh didn't play a whole ton, but there's a lot of talent there. I mean, there's a lot of young nice. talent there. You know, Tyson Ford's a kid that that with another year in the weight room. Aiden Gobira. You know, Alexander Ehrensberger, you know, guys that were in the rotation didn't play a ton. Gabriel Rubio started to come along. I actually think, and I may be, I'm in the minority here, I think. I would actually care, I would actually be more focused on, unless I can get a dude at Viper, like a dude or a dude at big end. I'm not as concerned about defensive end as I am inside. Mm-hmm. I think there's a greater need for depth inside. Because you've got Aiden Kana Anna coming off the knee injury. I don't know what he's ever going to be. You've got Howard Cross coming back. He'll be a fifth-year guy next year. you got yeah. Gabriel Rubio. you got Jason Onye. Maybe you can move Riley Mills back inside. I just don't think Riley's as good inside as an every-down guy. But even then, if you do move him back inside, Tyson Ford, you're talking about five guys, and you don't have a lot of beef. Mm-hmm. Like I would look for – I think interior is, is – a for me, a bigger need from a rotation standpoint than edge. That's just me. I think there's plenty of options on the edge where some kids are going to break out. So yeah. I, I, you know, that's just what good programs do is, yeah, you lose talented players and then you replace them with some young talented player that's got to develop the game, but the talent is there. And then your strengths are at different places than maybe they were. That's part of, 
football team reloading, in my opinion. I, I think that Viper especially is going to be an interesting spot next year, Brian. And I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like. I mean, you just mentioned eight, Aiden Gabira, Joshua Burnham. If they're able to, you know, just kind of get somebody else in that rotation, I mean, that could be a really good position for them if those guys take a step forward. You know, I know you're depending on a lot of unproven guys, but they're exciting football players. They're exciting talents. And again, it's always more about development of the talent you already have in the room for me. Would I would I look in some Vipers that are around in the transfer portal? Of course I would. I, there's a couple of guys I've talked to Brian about that are kind of mm-hmm. in the portal right now. But for me, you know, it's it's there's not a lack of talent in the room, to your point, right? Like there's still some a lot of guys to be really excited about. I'm very excited to see what Josh Burnham looks like next year after a full year at Viper, continuing to fill out. I, I still think there's a lot of excitement around that group. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's just not going to be it's just not there's not gonna be an Isaiah Foskey in the group right. next year, right? It's gonna look well, different, but that doesn't mean that we know of. That's right. the thing, is like I'm not projecting, we're not projecting Josh Burnham's gonna be Isaiah Foskey next year. We're simply saying of the kids they have, they're gonna be able to put the, a rotation together that's gonna be able to give them pretty good production. It may just not come yeah. from one guy. Now, maybe I, Josh Burnham does become that guy. Maybe Aiden Gobeyer has that big offseason. That happens. Sure. We're just yeah. not predicting that. But there's yeah. going to be plenty of talent, plenty of bodies to, to go there. And then now your strengths become different places. Your big end right. becomes your strength at, on the defensive line. You know, hopefully your your corners step up and are, are really strong. Maybe your safeties get better. That's mm-hmm. that's how, that's part of the evolution of a football team. Yep. Is when you're young, other parts of your team have to step up, and or you know you lose guys and other like next year they won't have Michael Mayer to rely on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that mean the offense isn't going to be as good? No, it just means other positions are going to have to be stronger. It's not, okay, Eli Raritan or Holden Stace or whoever's going to step into Michael Mayer's number one role. It's that, okay, they're, you're going to have to committee approach next year at tight end, but now the receivers are better. The running backs get more production. That's how football teams work. And also, so. you, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be silly to expect just one player to be Michael Mayer, right? But right. If, you, if you have a talented group that can supplement some of that production and give you different skill sets, then – you can still be incredibly productive at that position. It's just not going to look the same as it was this year, which is fine. Right. It's fine. Right. Next question is from Chris Ayers. He asked, Ryan, I'll let you answer this one. How close was Tariq Bracey from possibly being Notre Dame's best defensive player in 2022? After about, what would you say, Brian, four to five games? I mean, I think that you made at a really good conversation that Tariq yeah. Bracey was the best Through BYU player. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean – he was playing at an all-time level, Chris. I mean, you talk about what he was doing against Jackson Smith and Jigba before he got hurt, what he was doing against guys like Josh Downs this year. I mean, Tariq Bracey had a really, really good last year, really good final year, especially early to mid before kind of injury settled in a little bit, right? And he was kind of banked up like in the Syracuse game, for instance. But mm-hmm. I thought he had a tremendous season. Uh, you, he was a very valuable member of your team. I think ultimately when you're at the onset of the season, it's like, okay, Isaiah Foskey still finished with 11 sacks, right? And Benjamin Morrison was freshman All-American, five interceptions. There's just some guys that I think at, through the entirety of the season kind of finished a little stronger. But Tariq Bracey was an incredibly important player to this defense this year. There's no doubt about that. Next question is from Irish Blooded. I think Mayer and Bowers – actually, we pulled this up earlier, so let's get the next one from Matt McCarthy. If Chris Tyreek returns – would you have him play a role similar to what Curtis Samuel had his last year at Ohio State, where he was always on the field, whether it was in the slot or in the backfield? The problem with that, Matt, is I love where your head's at. 
right? Because what Matt's thinking here is how can you find ways to get Chris Tyree the football? And we've seen DeAnthony Thomas would be another one. Here's the problem with that, Matt, is they're two completely different offenses. With Ohio State and with Oregon, you had more of a college spread offense, right, where Ohio State was a lot of bubble screens, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of – you know, quick game where you could get Chris, you could get Curtis Samuel, who wasn't necessarily a traditional receiver. You could get him touches. You could get him opportunities. You could get him the football. DeAnthony Thomas was a ton of that. You could kind of put him in the backfield, run some jets and things, which obviously you could do with Chris Tyree, but he did a lot of the screens, the now screens, the bubbles, the tunnels. In order to do that with Chris Tyree, you'd need to change your offense. And and I have no indication that Tom Reese wants to change his offense, nor do I think it's necessary to change your offense to that degree to get Chris Tyree the ball as a receiver when you have the talent receiver that you have. I think the best way to use Chris Tyree is to do more 21 personnel and do some of the stuff we saw this year, but more of it, which is motion him out and get him the screens and some of the RPO stuff out of your base looks. And so there's a you can find a sample of that stuff. Like you can use a couple of those screens, but the Ohio State that was just a part of who they are. It's not going to be just a, a a base core principle of what Notre Dame does. I do think that, however, they can add some of those wrinkles to it, which we saw this year. But those things are more within the the offense. You know, running the quick wheel routes, the swing routes, the now screens. Those are things that are kind of part of it. They're not a big tunnel screen team. You know, maybe they can, with a different quarterback, maybe they can add that little wrinkle there, uh, and, and Chris might get the ball. But the other thing, too, in some of those situations is because he's not a bigger guy, neither was Curtis Samuel, you know, some of those things in a pro-style offense, it's not going to be as easy to add those type of things. But the other part is get him touches in the run game. And this is the whole frustrating thing with Chris Tyree is you don't have to give him 15 carries. You give him five to six and do him off of, you know, two to three inside zones, a toss sweep, a counter and a and a buck sweep or something like that, or jet sweep, something like that. And he can make a big play happen. And then, you know, three or four plays in the pass game, and all of a sudden, you know, he's got his 10 touches. And the rest of your, you know, if he gets five, six carries, you're carrying the ball 35, 40 times. Maybe the quarterback does five. That means you still have, you know, over you know, about 30 snaps, 25 to 30 carries that you're breaking up between your top two guys. Plenty of opportunities for those guys to still get the football. So, again, I don't have a problem so much with the volume that Chris Tyree had as much. I mean, later in the year, it was got a little bit low. But, you know, in the games where he was used, it's just how. And mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's as easy as – the point I made to Matt, Ryan, was I love where his head's at, but that's a different style of offense. That's that college spread stuff that's an easier to get that role involved where Notre right. Dame has to go outside of who they are to kind of mm-hmm. get that type of role built in. So that's – and I, I know you and I are on the same page on that one. We are, yep. Antoine Porsche Rudeau asks, Cade McNamara or Sam Hartman as a quarterback transfer? I'm going to say my thoughts, Ryan, and I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Cade McNamara, if that was the best you could do, I'd be okay with that because mm-hmm. he's a veteran kid. I think that Michigan kind of tamped down what he does well. He's a bit of a gunslinger, but he showed if you give him a good line, town around him, good run game, and a good defense, he can win you some games including beating good teams like Ohio State. He was really good against Ohio State, in my opinion. Yep. But he's not a guy that's going to put the team on his shoulders and and will you to victory over Georgia kind of thing, yes. right? So yep. I'd be okay with that, letting him compete. And then he's got to compete against Tyler and Drew and those kind of kids. Sam Hartman, for me, is a no. Okay. And, and, I, and, I, and I know he's 
great production, but he is the epitome of a system quarterback in my view. Number one, number two, to me, he's always been very turnover prone in their biggest games. Mm -hmm. And that's always been a big concern for me is he just, now you look at it and say, Oh, 11 picks this year, 14 last year. I mean, that's not a ton of crazy turnover numbers. When you look at, you know, through 392 passes this year, it's not crazy bad. It's just more of when his picks tend to happen. That kind of concerns me. And here's an example. He threw three against Louisville, three against NC state. Those are the two best defenses he played in the second half of the year. Another good defense he played early in the year is Liberty had a pretty good defense this year through two picks. Mm-hmm. That's kind of always been his thing that, you know, last year against Pitt in the ACC title game, four interceptions. Mm-hmm. Last year against a pretty decent NC State team, they ended up winning the game, three picks. Last year in that shootout loss to North Carolina, two picks. In a game where you lose by three points, those things can be a, a big problem for me. Uh, the bowl game two years ago against Wisconsin, four picks. Like, mm-hmm. I just look at those things, Ryan, and he's just always kind of been that guy. And that mm-hmm. concerns me a little bit. And I think that he, his production says more about the system than it does about him being an impact quarterback. And I don't think he fits Notre Dame's offense at all. So he would be a hard pass for me. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on those two so kids. We, we, we see the McNamara thing very, very closely, right? I, we talked about this yesterday as well, I think just on the phone. But if K was the best you could do, and that's that was just the option, okay, I guess. But for me, if there was a couple options that were on the board that were just more talented than Cade and maybe just better football players, and you settled for Cade because the familiarity with him, then that's where I would have like a big, are you kidding me type of moment, right? Like I would be very disappointed if there was, if he was picked over several other good options, right? Cade is not a bad football player though. He's not. Right. Sam Hartman, we also agree, but for slightly different reasons. It would be a no for me because I feel like there's been some instances in recent years and some of them are because of lack of talent and some of it are because of lack of taking chances that there is a, some limitations to your quarterback play in recent years. And to my Notre Dame. Yes. Okay. Talking about Notre Dame. I want to talk about him or Sam Hartman. No, okay. no, to, to, uh, to push the ball down the field, to create some, some explosive plays. And some of that is physically driven. And some of that was like with Ian book, it was, you know, just wouldn't pull the trigger sometimes. Right. You just wouldn't trust what he was seeing. And I think Sam Hartman is a no for me because I watched a kid play and that's just, just not a very good arm, you know, like not much arm strength, can't really push the ball down the field much. I mean, he's winning outside a ton at Wake Forest because he's got some good dudes outside, you know, the A.T. Perrys of the world. But I just don't think that he brings anything to the offense that isn't already there, which it makes me a little uncomfortable on top of the turnovers. So, yeah. yes, Sam Hartman would be a no for me as well. He yeah. would be. Now, if I was running a – if I was oh here, like okay, let's just say Cade Klubnik wasn't at Clemson. He didn't sign, and DJ was leaving, and Clemson needed a quarterback. Would I look at Sam Hartman if I was Clemson? Heck yeah. He fits your system better than he would yep. there. Do I think that makes them a title contender? No, I don't. Again, I think he's a very system-driven guy. There's – there's, yeah. I, and I know the numbers are great, but he just – 
it's so you got to look at is it system driven or his talent driven? Like Drake May's numbers this year are part system driven, but also part that kid just makes plays that you're just like that dude's a tremendous talent. Yeah. And and if anything, I think at times the system held Drake May back by exposing him to hits and not giving him the time that he needed because in a lot of the RPO stuff, North Carolina runs a lot of downfield RPOs. Well, you're not protecting the quarterback on those throws. And so, uh, but with Sam Hartman, I think his production is a byproduct of the system. And and he's a great kid. And and I, the production he's had that year, that, you know, there, he's been really great for Wake Forest. If he's yeah. got another year of eligibility left, I hope he stays. Mm-hmm. I really hope he stays. I, I hate, like, unless they don't want him. Like, if they're ready to move on, they got some other kid, fine. But, like, you've, you've, you've invested five years into this. If you have another year of college football left, why would you go to Florida? Like, that was right. the rumor I saw yesterday, him going, why? What, what, what are you going to do at Florida that you're not going to do at Wake Forest? Like, mm-hmm. Zena felt like, oh, wow, he played at Florida this year, not, you know, not not Wake Forest. He, he oh, let's take him now. No, like, it doesn't, make doesn't, his, make sense. Does, doesn't make his arm stronger, him any bigger, right? Like right. It's not, yeah, right. exactly. Right. And, bro, if you had problems turning the ball over in the ACC, like, I think the ACC's not getting enough respect as a conference, but it's not because of the great defenses they have. That's for darn sure. And if you're turning the ball over like that in the ACC, partner, you go to the SEC, it's going to be a problem. Here's a fun hypothetical, Ryan, and I'll ask this of you as as well because I know I think I know your answer. But Ian Johnson said, Brian, you're offered 1.2 million a year to be the quarterbacks coach and OC at Notre Dame, but it's mandatory that you run some variant of the triple option as your base. Do you take it? Uh, okay, in this fun hypothetical, if I was still in coaching and offered that, uh, yes, I would take that because here's the thing: I would game the system because you said some variant of the triple option. I would be running read zone with triple built in the way that Notre Dame ran with Brandon Wimbush. And it would be some variant of it. Absolutely. I have a run, a pass or a quarterback keep triple option. Every play it's called an RPO. So yes, I would, I would build in that version of the RPO so you could get away with being triple option. And, um, and I'd still be able to run my offense. So yes, if I was still in coaching and I was working on a trajectory to be at a place like Notre Dame, yes, I would take that job. And I would, if that's if that's as ma- as simple as you're going to make it, Ryan, some variant of it, RPOs in in ver- in many instances it's not required, but yes, there are three options on almost every RPO in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So yeah, triple option. There you go. What do you think, Ryan? It's also, it's, it's also a yes for me, except we're running the veer, baby. So yeah. we're running the veer. That's because Ryan is a defensive guy. <laughs> so running the veer, keep my defense off the field. And yeah, we're doing it. John A1. Going to the offseason is it a good thing for quarterback development that there won't be an established go-to pass catcher through spring and maybe fall camp. It's interesting. It can be. It, mm-hmm. It's like with anything, it just depends on how the coaching staff uses it, right, John? So, like if if it's a thing where you've got to go into it where you're focusing more on teach focusing on the scheme focusing on the reads not caring so much about the result but kind of getting the quarterback focused on the process it can be a good thing mm-hmm. if you're not getting the quarterback mentally right there's a there's a learning curve from moving on from a Michael Mayer like here's what's not going to probably happen they're going to come out in the first five practices and there's no Michael Mayer and they are lighting the defense up because he's just, hey, I don't have to throw to Michael Mayer anymore. I can throw it. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. It's going to be like, I'm looking for Mayer. Oh, crap, he's not there anymore. 
you know, and it's just, it's going to be a, the, the getting everyone on the same page and the timing, it's going to take some time. The thing in football that takes the longest to get on the same page, in my opinion, is the pass game. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so many moving parts. It's like when Ryan was talking about last week, why you want a team to throw is because there's so many more bad things that can go wrong in the past. Well, the, the reason it takes so long is to getting everything going in the same place so those things aren't happening. Right. And so it's going to take some time. And if you're not smart about it and you're getting real frustrated with your quarterback, it can create a mental issue where then he's going to start panicking a little bit and, and getting uncomfortable and losing confidence because he doesn't have that security blanket. So it's really just about the mental part of it. But if you handle it correct in that regard, then I think it's a great thing not to necessarily have that. And then number one, let someone establish themselves as the guy, Mm -hmm. but that's going to take time. And then during that process, like let's just say hypothetically based on the article I wrote yesterday that this off season, Tobias Merriweather or Deion Colsey emerge as the guy, the number one dude, by the time that's established, the other guy will have a chance to also prove himself to be pretty good. And other guys will have a chance to, to, to get some time. So now all of a sudden the quarterback's like, hey, I actually have a lot of options. Maybe in this clutch situation, I'm going to this guy, but I don't need to go to him all the time like I do Michael Mayer. And that's how you kind of develop that all around. And I think that's something that really helped Ian Book in 2018 is because Miles Boykin was the, the guy in 2018. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the year, they were targeting Chase Claypool every bit as much as they were targeting Miles Boykin because Chase also stepped up. Chris Fink had a, a ton of production. And, and then, of course, you had Alizé Mack. You had Cole Komet. And by that time in the season, Ian Book was like, I, I trust all these guys because some of them he came up with on scout team. And then the other part of it was is like they, the system in place, they were doing a lot more RPOs. It wasn't so much look at Miles, but it was here's the play. You're going to trust whoever you go to. So that's why when USC was so focused on stopping the outside receivers in 2018, Chris Fink had seven catches for over 100 yards in the first half because they tried to solo him. And so I think you can get into some of those things. And I think we'll see a lot more of that uh, in the spring and into next season as well. Mm-hmm. Ryan, anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I, I think it's tremendous. A quarterback just kind of focus on the process to, to your point, Brian. Like I think that that is a huge bonus, not only just for this quarterback development, because John, I think it's a great question because the ability to go through reads is such an important and you're just to, to process things is so important for a quarterback and it also will make your wide receivers more confident with what they're doing because they know they have a chance to get the football, you know, like you don't think it's, you don't think it's frustrating sometimes this year for a wide receiver to know like, Hey, not looking my way. They're not going to look my way in this situation. Like I don't have to run a hard route because I know they're not going to look at me. Like that's a frustrating thing from both sides. But the main thing, like Brian just kind of said, is that it will help a quarterback process so much quicker because he knows I can't just lock in here. I need to find where the open man is and distribute appropriately because I don't know who my guy is Mm -hmm. right now. It's a bunch of question marks, but good question marks Mm -hmm. because I think you have more options, which is great. We have a super chat from Dylan Nutson, my guy. Love me some O-line talk. Who are the two dudes that are going to step up and play for Patterson and Lug? Do we see a Shrouth, Rocco, or even a young Jagasaw stepping up? Well, mm-hmm. those are the guys in the conversation along with Andrew Kristoffic. Yeah. I think that's another guy that needs to be in this conversation. I think those four probably battle it out. Michael Carmody is an intriguing guy, but he's got to put some weight on. He does because he looks really skinny, and I don't think you can move people when you're that thin. I don't care how strong you are. 
But those are, to me, the four. I think Shrouth, mm. Rocco, Jagasaw, and Andrew Kristoffic are the four that will be in that conversation. And it's going to be an interesting battle. There's four good players there. Yes. And I think, obviously, I think I, I would argue that that Kristoffic goes into the offseason as sort of in pole position. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a given that he's going to just be handed the job. He's going to have to earn it, just like Josh Lug had to earn it this year. And and let's say he does, the experience and all that kind of pays off and he takes a job. Then you're kind of battling between the other the young guys and for the other spot. And then, okay, then who do you groom behind Kristoffic is the next mm-hmm. question. Like, So does the loser of that battle get groomed behind Kristoffic? That will be very fascinating. Very fascinating. And do you go with a rotation, which they've done at times? Not often, but they've done at times. If if you if you have it, if it's really close, that's going to be one of the more fascinating position battles of the spring. And it may not be sexy because it's guards. It's very mm-hmm. important to see yeah. who steps because someone's going to win the job. But do they win the job or do they earn the job? Right? There's a difference. Winning the job just means of the options, I was the best. That doesn't mean you're going to be good. Right? right. Earning the job means. I went out there and balled and took it, took it. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Zeke Carell earned the center job last year. He wasn't just by default the best of a not very good players. He earned it, which mm-hmm. is why they moved Jarrett Patterson to guard. And we'll see if somebody at guard can do that this year because you're going to need to replace both of those guys, as as Garen said. Thoughts, Ryan? That, that four-man quartet that you just talked about, Brian, is extremely talented, man. I mean – when you think about it, right, it's like Charles Jagasaw of the four that you talked about. I mean, that kid has legitimate potential, right? Like, I think that he has all-American talents. Does he develop into that? Let's see. You know, we'll see what kind of what happens. But, I mean, there's a process where he's so good that he's too good to not, you know, to keep off the field as a freshman in some type of role, right? But then, I mean, Billy Shrouth was – one of your highest rated players the year before, was he not? I mean, Billy Shrouth is a really talented player as well. Rocco Spindler was a top hundred recruits nationally kind of considered, and he might be a mm-hmm. on man out potentially. Like I think the fact that you have that much talent on the offensive line is it, it gives you so much confidence because with Harry Heastan and what he's done historically, you know that he's going to get five really talented players on the field. And even if it's not the best five to start the season, by the end, he's going to have a really good group out there historically, right? So having guys like Billy Shrouth, Charles Jagasaw, Rocco Spindler, and Andrew Christopher to work with, I, I feel very confident with what the guard position will look like next year because you have a lot of very talented options. Yep. Next one we have uh, from Mike Zimmerman. Thanks, Mike. Hey, guys. Great show. Thank you, sir. Again, my question is, I've seen a lot of QBs saying they're entering the portal. Is there a standout to Notre Dame? So, uh, Mike, this is one of the reasons that you need to be on the message board. So we put something up yesterday. Basically, the four names that are out there now are Hudson Card, Cade McNamara, Jeff Sims, and who's the fourth? I'm, I'm forgetting the fourth. Uh, Devin Leary? No, that's in the no. portal. That's, that's in, in the, the portal, portal right now. Um, there was a fourth one, but I, I'm trying to remember – who it was or four kids that I talked about yesterday, Caden McNamara, Hudson card. Let me find the quarterback thing on the board from yesterday. That's already on the second page. Well, it must be a lot, a lot of interesting <laughs> conversations going on today there, Ryan. Uh, gee, I wonder what people are talking about. <clears throat> so let me get back to that here real quick. Okay. So quarterback, here we go. I'm trying to remember who the fourth guy is. Why am I drawing a blank here on the fourth guy? Cause I put an Intel piece on it yesterday. Oh no, there's only three. 
That's why. Mm, okay. And then there's some <laughs> other guys that 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 people are going to talk about, but they're not in the portal yet. But yeah. basically, Notre Dame's doing their due diligence on all those guys. Essentially, I think the two realistic options now would be Cade McNamara or Hudson Card, and I would say probably Hudson Card right now at this point in time would, would be the guy that that I would put on top of that conversation. But Again, that's not the only guys that they're going to be involved in the conversation. But right now, we don't know if Tyler Van Dyke's going to jump in the portal. We don't know if Devin Leary's going to get in the portal. We don't know if you know Tanner McKee is going to get in the portal. We don't know if there's going to be some surprise quarterback somewhere that jumps in the portal. There's going to be some things mm-hmm. happening that are going to cause different things to happen and change. So it's a little too early to be locking in on the dude. I think Hudson Card jumping the portal for me and it is I feel good about. I feel good about what the options are in the portal now that Notre Dame's going to get a quarterback. The mm-hmm. only question is just how good is that guy going to be? Right. And so there's at least a couple guys in the portal now that I would consider upgrades over what we saw this year. And mm-hmm. that's important. Now, how big of an upgrade? I think that remains to be seen in a lot of, for a lot of different reasons, right? No doubt. No doubt. I, I think that to your point, there's still a couple guys that you're anticipating might answer the portal at some point, and there might be a surprise mm-hmm. or two in that conversation. So this conversation could change very quickly, Mike. You know, we can only speak about the guys that are in the portal and that we know are for sure going to be on the market, quote unquote, right? So I know, and we've talked about this, Notre Dame's doing their due diligence. They're going to find a guy that they perceive to be a better option. And I think there is going to be a couple guys out there that you're going to feel pretty good about going into next year. Yep. Absolutely. Beef eater asked Brian and Ryan, would you say Jaden Thomas had a breakout year or maybe be in position for a breakout year in 2023? I do not. I do not know that what technically speaking constitutes a breakout. Well, beef eater, it can be a lot of different things. And we we've defined breakout in the past as a guy who played a lot that goes from being a good player to a star. That's a form of a breakout. Uh, examples of that would be like last year with Isaiah Foskey. Now Isaiah Foskey was second on the team in sacks the year before he was a mm-hmm. good player, but he went from a good player to a star, right? Yeah. Um, Michael Mayer did that in 20 from 2020 to 2021. Then there's guys that kind of don't play much to become really important rotation players, key players. And I think Jaden Thomas fits into that version of a breakout guy played like four snaps as a freshman in 2021. Now, all of a sudden, he becomes a, a guy that's playing a ton of snaps, didn't pr- play very well early, but kept mm-hmm. battling. They finally started finding spots that he was more comfortable with, and then by the end of the year, he was a pretty good football player. Now, did he have great production? No, 20-some catches, 200-some yards, but he had some clutch plays. He had good production, and he blocked his butt off. He became a very important part of the offense in spite of not having great receiver production, but that was more – I mean, the, the whole receiving core as a whole had like a good Michael Floyd season as a whole. You know what I mean? And and so it, the numbers aren't going to be there, but he went from not playing at all to a really important part. That's a breakout to me. Now there's another potential breakout he can make, as all the receivers could make, in that he could maybe then become like a, a you know, Miles Boykin jump next year. That's a different type of breakout. So mm-hmm. I think there's varying types, Beef Eater. For me, I would say Jaden Thomas did have, the second breakout type of season where he went from a kid that never played to a starter and a, and a pretty key player that did a lot of important tasks that aren't always shown in his direct stats. Would you agree or disagree with that, Ryan? I would, I would agree. And I think that it really, 
I mean, during the latter stages of the of the season, Brian, I think that it makes you feel pretty optimistic about what Jaden Thomas can do into the future, you know, because early early on, he could have been the whipping boy early on, right? Because he wasn't playing very well. And that was partly because of him, but also partly because the staff wasn't using him very well, in my opinion, right? But I think during the later stages of the season, you started seeing him be used better, started seeing him make some 50-50 catches, started seeing him compete at a higher level as a blocker. So I think that you saw there were some positive signs this year for the wire series, especially down the stretch. I think going into next year with Jane Thompson's Jane Thomas's improvement during the, the stretch of the season, Deion Colsey's breakout during the end of the season, and then, you know, having Tobias Merriweather come back from injury, I think you start to feel really good about the young receivers on this roster. So I think it does constitute a, a small breakout. Can there be a bigger level? For sure. But I think that when, from where Jane Thomas started the year, injured, getting back, not being incredibly successful and incredibly productive – to a good player by the end of the season, I think that you have to feel real positive about the steps that Gene Thomas took in the second half of this year. Yep. Next question. Actually, we, I wanted to go to another one that was along that, actually. So this is one from mm-hmm. Antoine Porsche Rideau. Who has the Kevin Austin Jr., Claypool, Boykin, Equinemie St. Brown, Will Fuller breakout year in 2023? I made my I, prediction yesterday, Ryan, in my article. Did you? What say you? Yeah, in the receiver yeah. article I posted. Gotcha. Last night. It says Tobias Merriweather. Gotcha. And here's my What's evidence that? for it. Number yep. one, most talented kid on the roster, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's not a, we've seen it before. Golden Tate and and Will Fuller both had six catches as true freshmen. Next year, over 50. Actually, Fuller had over 70. Golden Tate had 58. They both went over 1,000 yards. Both had double-digit touchdowns. Uh, Equinemy St. Brown in 2015 had one catch for eight yards. The next year, he had 59 catches for over 900 yards and nine touchdowns. And he did that in 12 games because they didn't play in a bowl game. If they had played in a bowl game, he goes over 1,000 yards. We've seen this before. When Miles Boykin went from like 10 catches over three years to a breakout season. So we've seen this. Chase Claypool had five catches as a freshman in 2016. Goes out and has over 50 catches for 600 yards in 2017. So we've seen this a lot at Notre Dame. Uh, where young guys, I mean, like the Kevin Austin, Miles Boykin examples aren't the same as the Will Fuller other examples because those guys went from freshman to sophomore. So for my example, meaning it being Tobias, it would be that. If it's a Deion Colsey or somebody else, it it would be a a Miles Boykin kind of Kevin Austin type of breakout. So for me, it was, I think by the middle of next year, at the latest, it's going to be, okay, 15's your best receiver. My hope, however is that instead of saying him be Will Fuller or Michael Floyd, that it's more of him and Deion Colsey being the Chase Claypool-Miles Boykin combination where mm-hmm. they both produce a lot. It tamps down you know one guy from having 80 for 1,200, but it's more of two guys are really good is right. my hope that we see. But I think Tobias and, will be the guy for me. And he would be one of the players I'd be between. I'm actually between two guys on that conversation. One is Tobias because like you said, he's probably the most talented player on the roster right now at the position. He's he's shown when he gets opportunities that he has big time potential, obviously, right? We saw that with the you know the long touchdown on the post route earlier in the season. But the second guy would be for me, Deion Colsey, Brian. Mm-hmm. I, I will not lie, man. I did not have huge expectations for Deion Colsey going into the year just because he was injured and you just weren't hearing a ton about him, right? But during the latter, the, the second half of the season, he really showed a lot of progress and a lot of confidence, I think, building. So I'm 
I'm fully anticipating that Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey are both going to have nice steps next year. So if one of those guys becomes the guy, those would be my two options right now. Because I think yeah. that for me, they are – I mean, they're both 6'4 plus. They both are athletic. They both have the, the massive wingspans. Both have a lot that I think – especially a quarterback that maybe – you know, who, depending on who it is coming in, you know, from the portal or if it's Tyler Buckner coming back or, you know, it's a another guy in the roster, there's still going to be some inexperience potentially at the quarterback position, right? So having those guys with massive wingspans, I think is very inviting, especially when you don't have Michael Mayer coming back, obviously. I'll double down on your comment, Ryan. It's not even yeah. just an inexperienced guy. It's also a yeah. guy that's new to your system. Right. And what that means is, and, and, and I know you know this, it's mm-hmm. – if I'm not, if you and I aren't having thrown together for two, three years, I'm not always going to be right on target because I haven't been able to gauge your speed and your route running technique and all those kind of things. When you sure. have longer kids, the, that's why the catch radius is so important. Because if I have a bigger catch radius, I don't have to be, if you have a bigger catch radius, I don't have to be as accurate as a quarterback. I just have to make sure perfect. the defense doesn't catch it. Right. And we saw that from Tobias or not Tobias, we saw that from Dion in the bolt in the USC game, mm-hmm. the touchdown pass, maybe a six foot kid doesn't make that play, but even more so his third catch was the one to me. That's when he example, the that ball was high. <laughs> yeah. Like Brayden Lindsay made some tough catches this year. When he was targeted, he was, he was good. When Brayden Lindsay got the ball thrown to him this year for all the people that talk about his catch, his catching skills, he had one ball that he dropped this year and it hit him on the face on a not a really well-thrown go around because Marshall made a great diving catch against Ohio State, phenomenal catch against uh, Navy, made a really tough catch against USC. That kid had a good year when targeted. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make that catch that that Tobias that or that that Dion made in the third time. Jaden Thomas doesn't make that catch. There's two dudes on the entire roster that could have made that catch as a receiver, Dion and Tobias. That's it because. They're 6'5 with long arms, and that ball was thrown with heat, and it was thrown high. And and he went up and got it. That is going to give a quarterback so much confidence. Hey, I don't have to always be right. I don't have to be precise. And right. the thing about Notre Dame's offense early in the year is Coach Reese didn't, to me, didn't do a great job of saying, I got a bunch of small guys, and so we've got to adjust what we're doing. They were trying to throw go routes and one-on-ones and things like that to guys that aren't that type of player. You got to get those guys in space. That's also why I think those two kids are the breakouts because I I don't think Tommy Reese is going to change what he does, but now you have some receivers coming in that fit what he wants to do better. Not just those two kids, but Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores, mm-hmm. um, guys like that that fit that better, in my yeah. opinion. So uh, definitely see that. And then we had another kind of receiver question along those lines that I wanted to kind of get to, and it was about the Chris Tyree conversation. And I want to find that here real quick. It was about uh, Dylan Edwards. Here we go from Milton fan it says, uh, why go after Dylan Edwards when the current similar player, Chris Tyree doesn't get used because they're not really similar. Yeah, I don't in my opinion, similar yeah. they're similar in size and speed. That's it. Chris Tyree yeah. is a running back. He is a one cut and go fast running back that catches the ball. Well, for a running back, Dylan Edwards is a really shifty, elusive, explosive guy who catches the ball like a wide receiver. He's more Kyron Williams than he is Chris Tyree. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. So I know a lot of people see same size, same speed, and they think similar players. I don't think they're similar, Ryan. And I think that's yeah. the difference is their skill. The only thing they have in common really to me is speed. 
how they play is very different. And so Dylan Edwards is much more conducive to being a slot receiver than Chris Tyree is. I, I think you mentioned DeAnthony Thomas in this podcast earlier, if I remember correctly. Like that's that's who Dylan Edwards reminds me of, man. Like he is it's not just that he's fast and he's a little bit of a smaller high school running back, right? It's the fact that he is so good at changing direction. Chris Tyree isn't, right? Like Chris Tyree will change direction well vertically to just kind of hit it upfield, but he's not a guy that's going to dance in open field. He's not a guy that's going to make you miss a ton in open fields. Dylan Edwards is a guy that's going to shake you out of your shoes if you're not right. Like that's He's a different cat. He is a true – Chris Tyree is a home run hitting running back one cut player. Dylan Edwards is a space player, right? Like he is living off of space. That's him on the next level. So I also agree. I think that they're not similar play styles at all. I mean, yeah, it's just that I just don't see the same guy at all. I don't. Yeah. I can understand why people do. They see speed. They see similar size. I I get it. Milton fan. I don't think, I don't think like, Oh my God, it's nuts for thinking that I get it. (laughs) It's just for me. I don't, I just don't see it. Right. I, but I totally understand where he's coming from on that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a very interesting one from Jason Saxon. I, I love questions like this. Brian and Ryan, would you rather have a Watts-Joseph tandem starting next year or roll the dice and go with Watts-Bowen? I, I mean, I would rather have a Brandon Joseph that I know is 100% bought in, and then I could also use Peyton Bowen a part of this tandem, right? Like, I would rather have Watts, Bowen, and Joseph. But if you tell me right now I get this version of Brandon Joseph from this year, then I'm going to take the Bowen Watts conversation, mm-hmm. right? Because I'll take the unknown because, I mean, we've talked about it a ton, right? Brandon Joseph, when he is right and he is playing hard, is a really good football player, in my opinion. But I just think there was just too many peaks and valleys this year, and I don't know if he was always 100% locked in. I don't. So in this situation, that I can only have one or the other, I'll take Watts Bowen. But if you can guarantee me next year if, if Brandon Joseph is – bought in and is going to come back, then give me the three-person tandem instead of the two-person tandem. Here's my concern mm-hmm. with this. When I talk, when I think of Peyton Bowen, and this is the thing that you and I discussed when he committed, is the 2020 film was really good. 2021 film was not. And now we've seen two years of him not being that good. Mm-hmm compared to one where he was really good. Mm-hmm. That concerns me, but sure. not enough to be, to not want him. Here's why it comes down to me. I'm going with Watson Bowen. Here's why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're going to have Peyton Bowen for three years. Yep. I want to maximize every opportunity that I can for him. Number one, number two, the rest of the secondary should be good enough to where I don't have to necessarily ask him to be Kyle Hamilton in 2020 or mm-hmm. Alohi Gilman in 2018, where I got to ask him to do all these kind of things. I think you can get him that experience, and then he's going to be more of a playmaker than Brandon Joseph. He's going to make more mistakes than Brandon Joseph, but I can live with that because I think you're going to be so good everywhere else, but I think it's going to make him even better in 2024. And that's kind of where I'm looking. I'm like, I'm, at some positions, Ryan, I'm just kind of ready to, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. It's 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 ready to kind of get those young guys ready to rock. And I think that Peyton walks into the perfect situation, in my opinion, if Brandon Joseph leaves in that you're going to have great corners that you can then use to kind of protect your safeties a little bit. 
You're going to have depth at safety in other spots. You know, you're going to have Ramon Henderson. You're going to have Xavier Watts. You don't have to force him into the starting lineup if he's not ready. But if he is ready, you've got other players that you can still limit the, the overall volume of snaps. And so I just think he's walking into a great situation, in my opinion. I really do. And I still think the D-line is going to be pretty good next year, especially if they get a transfer up the middle. And so I, I, I think it's a perfect situation for him. And then in 2024, he comes back as a second-year starter. And then you've got Benjamin Morrison going into his junior season. you got Jaden Mickey going into his junior season. you got Xavier Watts going into his final season. You've, you know, Now all of a sudden you're like, man, this secondary's got a chance to be special. Micah Bell and, and Christian Gray and Don Schuler and Ben Minich are all going into their second seasons. I want, it, I want one of those guys to have a bunch of snaps. Now, you're not saying that Peyton Bone wouldn't have a, still have a ton of snaps. He'd still be no. playing as your third safety, he, so he'd, he'd still be, get a ton of snaps. Like, he'd be like Kyle yeah. Hamilton as a right. freshman. Exactly. Like, yeah. I just would rather kind of put him in the starting lineup. That's just me. And, and just because I, if I'm going to have a guy make mistakes, I'd rather, you know, like Peyton, Brandon Joseph, just, just not an impact guy. I'd rather take a guy that, to me, is going to be a big-time playmaker that may make some mistakes than a guy who's just steady but doesn't make a ton of plays. And that's just me. That's just me. But I don't think there's a wrong answer. I, I really don't. I think it's just personal yeah. preference for me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Great questions there, everybody. Coast Malone, does Avery Davis have a medical redshirt or am I way behind on that one? And technically, Avery Davis could have applied for a seventh season, but he's not going to. He is, he, Notre Dame's already said that. He's done at Notre Dame. Um, I probably done with playing college football. I think his thing is he's probably go get ready for the NFL or move on to your next part of your career. Uh, but he will not be playing in Notre Dame anymore. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Chris mm-hmm. Ayers, I, I, Ryan, I, says, who does IB Nation like better as a player, estimate or digs? I, I don't understand, and, and I don't think Chris is meaning this. This is more response to a lot what I've seen on Twitter a lot and on the Met. It's like everybody picks the guy they like best and mm-hmm. they spend their entire time tearing down the other guy. I've seen so many people pick apart Logan Diggs' game because they like estimate better. And like somebody put up a thing on, on after the USC game where they put their two stat lines side by side and yeah. like, well, Logan Diggs only did, and I'm like, Estimate had one good carry, and the mm-hmm. rest of his numbers were not good. He was like uh, two yards a carry the rest of his carries, right? He had that one big play. Mm-hmm. It's like you're using that because you went in with a preconceived idea, right? I could easily just suspend it the, the, the previous week and say Logan Diggs had more yards, more yards per carry. I mean, how? why can't we just enjoy that they're both really freaking good, 
They're both going to play a ton. And if you like one guy better than the other, deal with it because they're both going to play, which means they're both going to be fresh in November every year because one guy's not getting 20-plus carries a game. They're both going to stay. They're both going to be happy. Some weeks one guy's going to be hot, and you're right it. The next week the other guy's going to be hot, and you're right it. And I think the staff actually did a really good job of that this year of riding the hot hand, even at, even at times when it was Chris Tyree. Like, hey, mm-hmm. this guy's like, – like, Estime had a couple really big runs against North Carolina. And but early on, Diggs was really ripping them up in the pass game and run game. And then late in the game, they wrote estimated, grind it out. Now I know he fumbled at the end, but I'm not banging him for that. I mean, he's got to do better. But leading up to that, I understood why they wrote him late. You got Logan early, you're and you put him away with Audric or vice versa. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes Logan would get hot and they'd ride him. And other games, Audric would get hot and they rode him. That's a good thing. And I and, and as Notre Dame fans, we should stop focusing on who's better they're both really good they're both hopefully going to play a ton next year i hope they're both back next year i have no reason to think one of them's not going to be back but i just don't understand why people do this it's like we had this when michael floyd and golden tate there would literally be people tearing down one or the other because they thought the other guy was better instead of saying i think this guy's better but this guy's also really good like tim o'malley and i used to have these debates about golden tate still about golden tate and michael floyd but it was never a let me tear down that guy. It's like, well, let me tell you why I think this guy's even better. And I really get frustrated by that. It's like the Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner debates. People that thought Drew was better would just tear down Tyler Buckner. And people that thought Tyler mm-hmm. Buckner would just tear down Drew Pine. And I'm kind of sick of that, to be honest with you. They're both yeah. really freaking good. They both should play a lot and get a lot of touches. Who should play more? Whoever's hot. Whoever's the best fit for that matchup. Right. Sometimes a hey, Audric's got to be the dude this week. That's the fit we need. Other weeks, it's like Logan needs to be the dude. Then there's going to be games like Clemson. Why had a hard time telling who was on the field because they both ran so well. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I really get tired of the whole pick Logan or Audric debate. Who's better between the two of them? It doesn't matter. They're both really freaking good. Play them and enjoy it because you're not going to have it for much longer. And yeah. I just, it, it's one of the frustrating things that I see on, on, especially on Twitter, but even on our message board, it's just people are, they pick the guy they like and they're just going to tear down the other kid because they think so-and-so should be getting more carries. Make the case why Audric should get more carries by highlighting what you think Audric does. Stop tearing down Logan to make you feel better. That's not what Chris was doing at mm-hmm. all. I will make mm-hmm. sure that we're clear on that. This isn't a pushback on Chris. It's what I it his question is making me think of something that's frustrating me in other places. Because my answer to Chris's question, which is a very fair general question, is depends on which week. Who do I like better? The guys who's hot. Mm-hmm. That's that's who I like better, Ryan. So what what are, what are your, your thoughts on that? I, I will say this and then I'll keep it short and sweet, Brian. I have had NFL scouts asked me about both Logan Diggs and Audric yeah. Estime already. So they're both yeah. good players, man. We yeah. should leave it. We should leave it at that. I agree. Yeah. And again, this is not a response to Chris. No. Right. Chris, your question is fair. Your question just sparked something else. I want to make sure people are clear about this. I'm not taking Chris's question as him doing that. I think Chris is just trying to start a conversation. Who do you think is better? Yeah. Well, right? and, and it's I, fair. I, I, I think it comes down to preference too, Chris, in that situation, right? right? Like I, I prefer Audrey Gastamay's running style to Logan Diggs. That, right. that doesn't make one right. One, I prefer Logan Diggs' or... style for what I like more than Audrey Gastamay, right? And that's sure. part of the debate, Ryan. 
Yeah. It's you like that downhill mm-hmm. guy. I like a guy that can, I like running it. Like my favorite play is outside zone and mm-hmm. inside zone. Like, and I think Logan is much better at those things. I think he's the guy that, you know, you, you like we saw against BC, give him that toss, let him be patient and then find that hole. Audric, if you're going to run duo, is like duo, 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 duo. And he's great at it. Mm-hmm. Logan, you need to have a little bit more of a diverse run game. And that's why I think at times Logan doesn't look as good as Audric because they're just trying to duo him to death. And I thought the the great thing about the BC game, Ryan, is he he ran counter, he ran toss, he ran duo, and guess what? He looked phenomenal. Where mm-hmm. Audric could literally run duo every single play, and there's not a dang thing you can do about it, <laughs> right? So, like you said, though, it it it's a personal preference, but they're mm-hmm. both really good. He yes. likes Audric more, loves Logan. I like Logan more, love Audric. Love Jadarian. Can't wait to see the freshman. I, I'm excited what Dylan McCall is building and what Lance Taylor started, to be honest yep. with you. I think it's going to be a great backfield. And I hope they all have success. And yep. it's, you know, the, the thing for me is moving forward, one of those two guys is going to have to step up and be a better, be better in pass pro. They both were very inconsistent in pass pro. They need one of those guys to step up. And if I'm Dylan McCullough, I'm going to make, I'm going to have, I'm sitting down and having a, a long talk with Janarian Price and say, hey, man, here's what I need you to do. Reality mm-hmm. is, these two kids are going to get a ton of our first and second down snaps. You're going to get your series, but you're going to get it. I need you to spend all offseason taking pass pro real super seriously and make Janarian Price your third down back. Because with Janarian, he, if he can be a good pass pro guy, he also gives you a lot of weapons in the pass game. Where one snap he's giving you good pass pro, but in but in, in in as part of your speed package or your third down package, but then also you can then go empty and he's a legit weapon in the pass game. I could see that being a way to find a, an extra role for one of those young guys as well. Maybe it's Jeremiah Love that does that. Who knows? So I think that's kind of something else that I would see is when back to the earlier question about how can you get multiple guys involved? Have one guy really work hard at being your third down back. You know what I mean? Now, if you're just going with your base system, but like if you're in 12 personnel and then you're going to move to 11 because you've got your third down package, then that's what I would do too. And then also becomes your tempo package. Hey, we're going to push the tempo a little bit this series. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you want your other, maybe you, that's when you get that third back in there. It's two minute drill. Let's get that other back in there. I think that's another way you can get more guys involved in the game, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Next question. And, uh, Let's get down to a few here. Milton, we gotta gotta wrap this up here. Milton fan 15. Has the show call with the fist bump been announced yet or an ETA? It's not been announced yet. When the kid no. when the kid announces his decision, we'll let you know. So is that when you were was that when you were, on, that when you were yes. on the phone? And yes. Oh, got it. Yeah. I I I gotta I gotta people just analyze every little thing I do and and I gotta get used to that. I'm still not used to that yet. So uh that's yeah, my maybe, bad. Maybe. I should not have showed emotion. Maybe, but, maybe that yes. was. I mean, it also could have just been your wife calling. You'd be like, "Hey, I'm bringing home your right. favorite dinner for, for hey, tonight." I'm you know? bringing like, home Polito's pizza. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, anyway, it is what it is. Okay, Jay Henry, what does this staff think about Truman Jones? Is he another Chris Smith? Um, I'm gonna. We don't know what the Notre Dame staff thinks of Truman Jones. I, I do mm-hmm. know that there's some interest there. So we'll answer what the IB staff thinks, and I'll let Ryan handle that because Ryan's watched a yeah. ton of his film. Yes. Yeah, so 
he, Harvard actually has a couple of really good defensive linemen just in general. They had Chris Smith last year. They have this younger kid named Thor Griffith, who I think is a junior. And then Truman Jones entered the portal. He's a really interesting player, Jay, because they run a lot of three-man front stuff. So he's like a true outside linebacker in almost like a 3-4 alignment a ton. So he's working from depth a lot. He's coming off the edge. He's working in space. They ask him to do a lot of stuff. And I think he's listed at like 6'4", 242 pounds. He's got some twitchiness to him, man. He does. I think he's like a biomedical engineer or something like that. I forget what it was, like a biomechanical engineer, which is like wild. So he's a smart kid, obviously, and he plays with good effort, but he's got some twitch to him, man. So if Notre Dame has some interest in him, I understand it. I do because he's got some decent athleticism for him. He's pretty productive last year for Harvard and Harvard's done quietly a really good job of developing defensive linemen over the last couple of years. So I, if they're, if they have interest, I, I, I would also is kind of the, the short and sweet is that I would, I would have interest in Truman Jones. I would at least make the phone call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, real quick answer to this, Jeff Flukes. It's a good question. Can the transfer portal help Notre Dame recruit high school studs? I think in time it really will. And here's mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Notre Dame has to do things that we've for decades. I've been a Notre Dame fan. There's always this big, loud group of Notre Dame fans that want Notre Dame to change to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I believe the best way for Notre Dame to do is to be the polar opposite of everybody else. And here's what I mean by that. If you become a program that develops a reputation of, we're not just going to go get portal kids all the time and, and, and do all this to fit these needs. We're going to try to recruit and develop kids. The yeah. less Notre Dame has to go to the portal to me, the better. And yes. it all, number one, it means that they're recruiting better and developing better, right? Now, there's always going to be positions where you, you lost a kid to a transfer and the two kids got hurt and, you know, one kid didn't pan out and all of a sudden you, you have that need. That's fine. But I would much rather see it's a situation where people, kids look at their name and say, hey, look, I can go here, but they may get a portal kid that, like, if you're a receiver, why would you want to go to USC instead of Notre Dame? Why would you want to go to Notre Dame over USC? Yeah, they throw the ball more. Yeah. But you're an offseason away from them going out in the portal and getting three, you know, transfer kids. And now all of a sudden you're sitting a bench for a year. Where you go to Notre Dame, they have proven that they are going to recruit and develop their kids. Because because USC is going to do the same thing next year, most likely, yep. right? Because you lost yep. I mean, because you're gonna lose Jordan Addison. You signed 10 kids last year. Right. right. You're gonna lose Terrell Bynum. Like there's a couple of guys that you're gonna lose. So you're gonna go back to the portal this offseason to get the quick fix again. Like this is right. what those types of teams are going to do. So uh, to your point, Brian, I I think that like CJ Williams was a talented player, right? What did he have four catches this year? Right. right. I mean, like there's just going to be some that are just going to be like, am I going to get a fair shake or are they just going to always go for the quick fix? Right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Be that program. That's like, Hey, we're a high school development program. And you're going to start seeing more kids say, Hey, look, I'm going to go there because I know that I'm, I'm going to get a fair shake there. That's what I think. Notre Dame. And I think it's better for Notre Dame too. I just think they're going to be able to get kids bought into the Notre Dame culture and culture is so much more important in Notre Dame than it is in other places. A lot of other, some other places. It's so important. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get a bunch of new kids to buy into that culture right away. It's yep. very hard. It's pretty rare, actually. I yep. mean, it's not easy. Very. It's not easy. Trucker Joe asks, any possibility that Tommy Reese adds slants and screens to his offensive repertoire? He's probably the only O-court in the world who doesn't implement those two types of plays. Well, we see Notre Dame run screens. I, I think mm-hmm. a big part of the reason we didn't see a lot of screens this year, Ryan, is because Drew Pine's not very good at throwing them. Mm-hmm. And that's something we, he missed. I've never seen a quarterback 
miss as many slip screens as we saw Drew Pine make. And that's the one area where his height is an issue. When you're trying to dump a slip screen and you're 5'10 or 5'11 and you're trying to dump a slip screen behind your 6'7 left tackle who's going against a 6'5 defensive end, that can be difficult. Yeah. And some of the perimeter screens, you know, we saw him do, we saw them hit a couple of those against Clemson for big plays, right? Mm-hmm. What we don't see is a lot of the traditional screens. Yeah. They tried that stuff early and with with Buckner, it just I don't think Drew Pine's a good screen thrower. I definitely don't like slants with Drew Pine because again, it's a young core. I don't like slants period with young quarterbacks because slants are an opposite read of everything else you normally do. Normally you're throwing away from the read and away from the defense. Slants are different because you're throwing a quick throw where you can't scan. Like a deep end cuts a similar route but you can scan it more and see that there's a backside. But how often do we see quarterbacks throw an interception on the end cut where they don't see the backside guy coming over and picking it off, right? We saw Dorian Thompson Robinson make this mistake against uh, USC. We saw uh, Cam or uh, Caleb Williams make this mistake against UCLA as well. We we saw him not seeing underneath the fender. And that's even harder on a slant because you're just reading that one flat and you're throwing it. I mean, it is catch and throw. Mm-hmm. And so I just – that's why some coaches are going to, to the to the glance over the slant because the glance is a little bit of a um, – there's a little bit more versatility to it. It may extend a little bit more. It may go a little bit deeper, but it tends to hit later than a slant does. Mm-hmm. So it gives the quarterback – and it's off of RPOs, which means there's one read and you're getting the run action to keep everything in. But, like, I used to run a ton of slants when I was pass game coordinator. A lot of slants, a lot of slant snaps because of the type of defenses we played, those things mm-hmm. aren't quite as good anymore, especially with the young quarterback. Now, there are a lot of things you can do if you're an RPO team. You'll see teams hit slants, but those are because they're built into that package and they've yeah. got a different type of quarterback. I just don't think Drew Pine is a guy that I want throwing a ton of slants That's and screens. That's the thing for me. Now, will we see them more next year? Trucker Joe, I think let's see how the offense develops next year a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I think last year I don't think you had a ton of screen players, right? right. But you did. I mean, Kyron had had and Chris Tyree both had success on screens the last two years, right? The slip screens. Kevin Austin wasn't really a screen guy. You know, mm-hmm. Braden Lindsay was not healthy a ton. I don't think they had a ton of screen guys, in my opinion. Twenty twenty, who are you running a screen to? Javon McKinley, Ben Skoranek. You know what I mean? Like, so I think it's been a p- more about personnel than anything uh, for the screens. Slants, I think it's just because it's. There's a lot of coaches I know that don't like calling slants because it's yeah. you see so many mistakes on slants. Here's the other because slant is I would argue that's a great route. I said I called it a ton, Ryan. It was one of my favorite quick game route concepts. Out of I mean, you have slant bubble, slant snap, all types of different ways to run slants. Back this is back in the day. Here's the dangers with slant though. Not only just what I read, but slants are one of the few routes where if you miss a receiver, there's a guy right behind him. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Just the nature of the type of the route that it is. There's just so much that can go wrong on a slant. And, yes. you know, it's coming into the defense. If it gets batted, it's, you know, there's just so many different things that go wrong with a slant. And if you have a quarterback that's not comfortable throwing on time and on rhythm, it's not mm-hmm. a route you're going to want to run. So that's yeah. why you never heard me like in the like with Jack Cohn last year, I, I wanted to see more slants. Mm-hmm. And they started throwing them later in the year when they started running a little bit more RPOs. 
but a rhythm, rhythm based right, thrower. Exactly. Right. And yep. Kevin's Austin's the kind of guy you want to kind of catch one of those type of routes, you know, mm-hmm. this year, I, I, you didn't hear me calling for it. Cause I just didn't think it fit what they were, what they needed there. Mm-hmm. The, the perimeter screens. Yes. We advocated for no doubt. They should have run more of those, but I think it just came down to a lack of confidence that the quarterback being able to make those, those, those throws, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's a few guys in the 2023 class that are definitely going to run some screens too. Oh, right? <laughs> well, that's a great point, Ryan. Because do you yeah. recruit Dylan Edwards and Jaden Lamar and Jeremiah Love and Caleb Smith, who they're trying to land? I have an article about him on the front page at Irish Breakdown as well. If you mm-hmm. don't want to throw quick game and 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 screens, I don't Certainly think you do. Not. Certainly I don't think you not. do. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you do that. Greg McDonald asks, and that's a great question, Trucker Joe. Greg McDonald asks, Brian and Ryan, who do you see stepping in for Foskey next year? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Go Irish. Thank I, you, Greg, very, very I, much. I think I mentioned I think it's going to be a group effort, Greg. I think that for me, the Viper position, you know, is there going to be a grad, a grad transfer that's thrown into the mix? Is there another guy that we're not talking about as much that takes a step forward? It's always possible, but I think the two guys for me are Joshua Burnham and Aiden Gabira. Like, I think that you need – substantial reps from those guys next year. I think they need to take a step forward. They bring a lot of the twitch and explosiveness that you need from the Viper position. So I don't think it's a single guy. I think it's a group effort. And I think that the two freshmen turning sophomores next year are going to have to take a big step forward. So give me Burnham and yeah. go by as kind of a tandem to take. I think take Jordan Patelho. Yeah. Jordan Patelho could be in that conversation yeah. as well. Uh, we, I get, I'm getting some questions, people asking about, you know, which freshman do we think can make an impact next year? They're all good questions. The only reason Mm -hmm. I want us to hold off on that is because we're going to talk a lot about that signing day is 21 days away. (laughs) So we're going to have some stuff leading up to signing day where we're going to talk about the freshman class and all. And I just don't want to get super repetitive with that stuff, uh, for signing day. So I promise y'all, we will talk a lot about those things. We get closer to signing day. You're more, no problem with the question being asked. I just want people to know there's a reason I'm ignoring that question. It's because I we will get to it. It's just I, I don't want to answer all those questions now, and then we don't have anything to talk about on signing day other than here's who signed. So, yeah, we, we shall see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question from John A1. John says, does it bode well if Styles returns to work exclusively in the slot with Colsey and Merriweather development on the outside? Assuming that-, that Lorenzo stays and, and I- is part I- of it. I think it's a natural fit, Brian. I mean, I think that for me, it, there are different types of slots, but I think that there is a pretty interesting compliment that a Lorenzo Styles and a Jaden Thomas can give to you as a slot receiver. And then you become more of a traditional team where you know Notre Dame is kind of one of those skyscrapers outside and you'd be kind of missing that slot type, right? And I think that Lorenzo, when he was at his best this year by far, was when he was working from the slot. So, yeah, I think that it's – Interesting. His body and athletic skill set better fits outside. He just doesn't, he's just not comfortable outside for whatever reason. I, I I don't understand it. It's a mystery to me. I mean, to me, he's kind of like a prototype modern day X, 6'1, 195, fast, vertically oriented player. He just does for whatever reason, he's not comfortable there. So it's strange. I think the guy, if I'm talking about building an ideal receiving core next year of, of who fits Tommy's offense, it's Tobias Merriweather at X, Deion Colsey at W, and Jaden Thomas in the slot. I think that's where you would see it. And then Lorenzo kind of moving all around 
playing a, a lot of those different spots. Last question, Ryan. I know I know you got to run as well. Uh, let's see here from Megan Kufro. Thank you, Megan. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. I know they are different players, but how does Peyton Bowen compare to Kyle Hamilton when it comes to range covering ground? Just curious. So again, they're different players, but in that specific yeah. area, when it comes to range and covering ground, Ryan, how would you compare them? I mean, they're both rangy players, but they're rangy for different reasons, right? Like Peyton is a loose athlete who's explosive and fast. That's how he creates range. Kyle is also explosive, but Kyle is rangy because he's also incredibly long, right? Mm -hmm. Like long strides, long arms. He can cover a ton of ground just with the length that he has. So they're both rangy players, Megan. But I, I think that for me, it's how they how they have their range. It's much different. And I think that when you're talking about those two players, though, Ideally, I mean, you want a Kyle Hamilton type with a Peyton Bowen type because Peyton right. Bowen's the true free safety, right? Like he's the guy that you could literally play middle of the field all day and let him be rangy yeah. middle of the field all the way to either sideline. Like that's that type of player. So they're both rangy players. I think Peyton's a more natural rangy player, but they both have range for different reasons. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. I think the range is the one thing they have in common. The fact that they both cover a lot of ground. I think to your point, they do it differently. I think that's the one thing they have in common. Their games are so incredibly different in every other way. They both cover a lot of ground. I actually think that I actually think that Peyton Bowen is the better natural safety. And here's what I mean by that. Number one, he's just a more explosive athlete. But number one, number two is Kyle could do some stuff side to side and downhill, but Kyle wasn't a great flip your hips and get off the hash guy. Yeah. Peyton is, you know what I mean? So he's more of a true safety where Kyle is sort of like that do-it-all missile that you would use. So yeah. as a pure safety, I think Peyton Bowen's the better prospect for me. He has a higher grade for me than Kyle did. And I had Kyle as a five-star player, but his senior film was special. Kyle, to me, I've said this before, Ryan, in a perfect world, mm -hmm. in this defense, Kyle Hamilton's a, a, a downhill safety or a rover. He'd have been an exceptional rover, in my oh, opinion. Yeah. But you've got to be able to – like, he would have been – I actually think he'd have been really good in Al Golden's defense because Al Golden wants to play a lot of single high, which mm -hmm. meant Kyle would have been – in inner like, all those safety blitzes that he kept trying to run with, like, Ramon Hendricks, that would have been Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it would have been a lot more impactful. So mm -hmm. Kyle would have been, I think, a really great fit here because he would have been a box guy a lot. Now, that's how Marcus Freeman used him a lot, and that's how Clark Lee used him as well. It's not that he would have fit here and didn't fit in those. It's just looking at this specific defense, I think that's one guy that you say, boy, he could have really thrived in Clark Lee, in, in Al Gold's defense because yeah. he liked to do the blitzes and have those guys protect linebackers and stuff like that. Uh, he'd have been really good in this defense, no question. But that's who Kyle is where – you know, Kyle's not a guy you want playing a lot. Like, Kyle's not terrible in man coverage. He might be in the NFL. I, I have no clue. But in Kyle, he was okay. okay in coverage. He was yeah. more of a rangy, downhill, impactful guy. Peyton yes. Bowen, to me, is not only a kid that can play center field, like you mentioned, like a, just a great free safety, but he's also a kid, to me, that can be a great slot cover guy. Yeah. Like, he can do so much of the traditional DB stuff where mm -hmm. Kyle Hamilton was, like, part strong safety, part linebacker. Yeah, And he was great at it when his head was on straight. It's just they're way different. And I think in the modern offense, I want Peyton Bowen as the true safety. 
Kyle would be more of an Isaiah Simmons, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa to me than he mm-hmm. would be a deep middle safety. Is kind of my point. So, so Brian, I, I think that this is a decent conversation because I think that for me, the two players are good rotational players, but for different reasons, right? Kyle Hamilton, you're rotating down to be mm-hmm. that box player, short zones, rob robber coverage at times. Like he's that type of player, right? Peyton Bowen, you're rotating down to play man coverage in the slot, right? Or and, rotating and, back. Or rotating right. back. Yes, to the middle of the field, right? Right. But I would rotate both of those guys down, but just for much different reasons of right. why I'm trying to accomplish that. Right. Which would make them a great complement to each other if they played together. Oh, they would be incredible like, together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Especially if we're talking about the 2020 version of Kyle Hamilton. Yes. Who to me was much better than the 2021 version of Kyle Hamilton. And that that's what they've kind of found in Baltimore already is that they still have Chuck Clark, who's a good strong safety type, but a lot of times now they'll be working the safeties. It's Marcus Williams and it's Kyle Hamilton, right? Marcus Williams is kind of that Peyton Bowen type, right? Like you're going to rotate him to the middle of the field and let him be super rangy. And then Kyle Hamilton's that alley player. He's that short zone player. So yeah, to your point, I mean, they would be stupid good together. <laughs> they would really, yes, I, it'd be fun I, to I watch. Think, I, I think Peyton Bowen and Xavier Watts can be really good together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So that's going to do it for today's show. Great crowd today. Tons and tons of great questions and conversation uh, going on. Thank you to everybody who was part of our show today. Thanks to everybody that gave our super chats. Before you all leave us, please do us a favor. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Had a lot. There was some Peyton Bowen intel on the message board yesterday that Ryan put out on there. I have some quarterback uh, portal intel on there. I had some team stuff that I put on there today about some things I'm hearing that could be make this a very interesting offseason for sure. And people are losing their mind. It was like I went away for like a half an hour, came back, and it's like already five pages long. So I was like, okay, this is being taken in a little bit uh, different than I expected it. But uh, that's just kind of what I'm hearing. So we'll see how it all plays out. It's going to be a very interesting offseason, and you're going to want to get all of it on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. That is our premium board. All of our written content is free. We never charge for our written stories, our content, our breakdowns. Those are at irishbreakdown.com. All of that will be free, as always free. But our premium stuff, our discussion stuff, we put on the message board, and that's what you're going to see there. So definitely check that out. And if you haven't done so already, please check out the CFB Nation uh, podcast. Sign up for that at CFB Nation. Subscribe to that as well. And make sure that you're checking out the CFB Nation stuff on the YouTube channel as well. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. You all have a great rest of your day. Vince, Sean, tonight, 6 o'clock, IB Nation Sports Talk. They're going to have their daily mailbag. And then we'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll talk some portal stuff. We'll maybe be maybe be some breaking news tomorrow at some point in time. Ryan, who knows? We shall see. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Y'all have an awesome rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 